And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire, with your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Welcome, everyone, to Dinner with Racers Season 3. If you are listening to this episode, you are listening to a very special Part 2 of our dinner with Scott Tucker. Uh, No big fancy intro to this one because we already did that in the previous episode. Uh, But if you're you're just tuning in and have no idea what the hell the show is about, this is the third season of a cross-country road trip with my partner Ryan Eversley and I in uh, which we drove 13,000 miles for 34 days across 25 states to bring the audience 29 dinners with various people in motorsport. Uh, This is the continuation of a very special dinner that we had with Mr. Scott Tucker. Uh, If you're tuning into this episode, you probably heard our previous one in which we sort of gave his background, but Scott Tucker was the owner and creator of Level 5 Motorsports, which during its time in sports car racing was a a huge team and it was all funded basically out of pocket by Scott, who made his money in the short-term loan industry, otherwise known as payday loans. Uh, Scott, over the last several years, has been under heavier and heavier fire for some of his business practices, uh, and we decided for the sake of this dinner to kind of split the episodes up into two parts. Uh, The first episode, which is the previous one, speaking purely about his racing endeavors with Level 5, and then the second episode being sort of exclusively about his business and legal matters that uh, have been ongoing. So this is going to be a much shorter episode where we just discussed that. We felt that because the tone of the conversation was so dramatically different from one to the next and that we sort of didn't want to soil one with the other uh that we would sort of just keep them divided and make life a little bit easier to 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 stomach and also kind of respect scott the racer and scott the businessman so what you're about to hear is basically his opinion on uh, the various business and legal matters going on right now it's important to note if you're not familiar with our podcast that ryan and i are not journalists he's a racing driver i'm more of a marketing pr asshole and between the two of us Uh, The whole goal of this show has been to just sit down to dinner with people in racing and kind of know what it's like to sit down with them. We're not here to push an agenda. We're not here to cover with a specific angle or or the sort of things that are uh, expected with with traditional journalists. But we do ask some of the hard questions. We do want to get his take on things. And that's what you're going to hear. So having said all that, if you haven't listened to the previous episode that's about his racing endeavors, I highly recommend checking that out. Gives you a very different perspective on kind of his enthusiasm and what he loved about the sport, which was really part of why we wanted to meet up with him. Of course, thanks to uh, Acura for letting us drive their MDX uh, all the way across the country. And most importantly, Continental Tire for all their support making this entire program happen. Enjoy Scott Tucker, part two. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. How many, uh, beyond the sort of the, the stuff that you're most known for, how many businesses are you involved in these days? You know, it's, it's slimmed down quite a bit. Sure. I mean, at one time we had, uh, uh, we had a fairly large private equity portfolio of different right. things and right. um, you know actually it was too large and so this is outside of AMG services or this is part uh, of AMG? no no separate no, deal. way okay. outside okay yeah. Got it. way outside so uh, but yeah that's slimmed down quite a bit right and uh, more focused on just specific things that sure. uh, we you know we have more control over copy yeah, copy. yeah fair enough yeah things uh, the government doesn't like to a racing fan who knows nothing about how this side of the world works explain kind of what AMG services it was, I guess, and, and kind of how, how would you, from your end, how would you define kind of the, the way things have sort of developed? Well, 
All right. I think we should more start with what the controversy is. Okay. And um, what a lot of people don't understand in this country is that there are people that choose not to use normal traditional financing for a lot of different reasons. Most of it is is that they don't really qualify for it. So when the banks stopped doing that, it opened up this huge market. This is about probably 30 years ago. And, uh, you know, credit cards, you know, that different things. So there, there kind of became the, this, this, this service or this product, and it's referred to short-term or payday loan business. Okay. And, you know, I'm just a business guy. And that when the banks kind of abandoned that entire industry, that, that, those clients, it opened up this whole new opportunity for entrepreneurs. And what it is, is it's, it's, you know, it's tens of thousands of small little loans. And where everybody gets jacked up on it is that the typical loans for about 17 days, okay, 17 days. So uh, the way the federal rules work is that like your credit card statement, when you extend consumer credit to a person, consumer, they, you have to put in this thing which is called an APR, annualized percent rate, annualized, annualized. That means for over a year. So I'll give you an example. The banks are excluded from that. Um, if you write a check for 100 bucks and you don't have enough money in your bank account and the bank pays it, what happens? Get an overdraft. That's right. Yeah. And how much does that typically cost today? I, I know. Well, I can tell you exactly how much. Um, yeah. <laughs> how much is that pitcher of beer you just bought? This cost? Tuesday. <laughs> <or> whatever <laughs> it is. It's, yeah. it's usually, depending on the bank, uh, somewhere in the 30 range. That's right. Yeah. About $39 average. So the bank covers your check for 100 and they just charge you 39 for it. Okay. But, you know, they're not, they don't want you to your next payday to come in and pay it. They're all, they, you know, you need to come in and do it now. So let's say that loan is for two or three days, okay? But the, the banks are not, uh, they don't, they are not, they don't have to give you an APR on that. So if they did, do you know how, what that APR would be? Like a $35 on a, well. $39 on $100 for three days. Let's say three or four days, whatever. I, I'm not good enough with math, but that's, it's above 29%. Uh, it would be probably in the three or 4,000 APR range, okay? Payday to loan design to give you that same loan without the overdraft, and you get it for 17 days, and it's 30 bucks. I mean, it's it, it just really that simple. So the banks started seeing all these people coming into this business, and it's like, well, you're taking this business away from us. So then they go to the government and say, hey, this isn't fair. So it's just how it works. So there's this big market was created, and uh, then the big guys in the business are, you know, the, the banks are, you know, using their lobbyists to go to go the government to say, hey, put these guys out of business. So in, in a big thing, that, that's, if you can kind of understand that. So when people say, oh, well, these loans, you know, they're, you know, four or 500% APR, it's not even remotely accurate. For example, you take a taxi today, I take a taxi from over here to there, okay? So that'd be like me saying, well, you know what? I'm going to take that taxi every day for the next year. How much is that going to cost me? Like, well, it's going to cost me a shitload. 
you know, oh no, but I'm only doing it for one, you know, so there's a lot of misconception about that. But uh, to understand that's, so that's kind of what's been swirled up in here. And we built, with my, with my clients, we built, you know, we were in the very beginning, we built very large business. I mean, it's it, very similar to a credit card business. And um, uh, the government didn't like it. When somebody uses the term predatory, how do you take to that? Well, we, when you try to explain, if I, you know, I just went through this analogy, well, I'd say, well, the bank is much more predatory than these companies that are doing this. I mean, it, it, but, but that's not the narrative that goes out in the press. I mean, it, it, so that's why it, it's, you, you can't even defend it. I mean, it's, you know. And another thing is, is that most people don't realize that it's a huge business. And the demand is bigger than it's ever been. And on any given day, there's probably 40 million Americans, just Americans, not all over the world, just America, that use the product. I mean, and it's, it's not why they're... They're not using the product because like, they, they feel like they're getting fucked over. They're using it because it's fast, simple, and convenient. And early on when we were working with our clients, that was the whole thing. It was about speed and convenience. It's like a taxi cab. It's like, oh, it's raining. We need to get from here to here right now, and I don't, I, I don't need bullshit. I need to get in the car and go. And that's what it was. And that basically, when the Internet came, we were able to speed up that process and you know, do millions of transactions a day. Do you know Montel Williams personally? No, I don't know him. Uh, no, no, okay. I do not know him. He was a spokesman know. for uh-huh. one, like what, 500 fast cash or something like that. Yeah. Money mutual. Money yeah. mutual. Yeah. Oh, see, yeah. you do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't enough. know him personally. No. All right. So we got tagged in a post the other day by a fan, <laughs> and uh, it was about your current situation with, I guess, the ongoing. There's a lot of it. Right. Are you scared? Are you worried? You seem so calm and like, uh You guys, you guys are talking to me real live. You see me. Do I, no, no, for yeah, sure. Yeah. That's do, why do I, I, like, do I look dude, like, do I like I'm cowering yeah, yeah, over yeah. the corner. Yeah, no. Uh, In the last two years, how many depositions have you given? Uh, I give none. Oh, interesting. No. Okay. No. Okay. I don't give none. I give none. My attorneys handle all that stuff. Because it feels like it's sort of a whack-a-mole thing at this point yeah. where it's like oh, it, FTC it, is this side and yeah, DOJ on the right. other. Yeah. Well, because yeah. like, I, I read that they like froze your accounts uh-huh. and they stop you from having attorneys That's and everything. Right. Uh-huh. But then I read like in the next sentence you have an attorney counsel, which sounds like attorneys to me. Well, what happened was, and nobody can believe this, but uh, they, did, they did freeze all my accounts. And they did freeze all my money. And they did freeze all my attorney's monies. And it was a it was a fucking ball buster, and what we had to do is go to the court, and we I was able to negotiate with them to where we got some other counsel that was actually you guys are paying for it. Ah, yeah. copy. Isn't that great? Okay. Yeah, you know, no, no. Think about this, okay? I got plenty of money in the, in my attorney's trust accounts to pay for all this, but you know what? Oh no, we we're gonna try to really. F- this guy over and we're gonna take all that away and now we're gonna make you pay for it so yes i do i do have a lot of attorneys but um you guys are paying for them so that, you mean dinner you with racers uh, yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> just us uh-huh. continental's getting the invoice uh-huh. um, but uh, so these are like you have a public defender uh-huh. council actually they're called cja and that's what is uh, that that's the term the federal government use okay. for public defender okay yeah. Now, historically, 
uh, public defenders don't have the reputation to <laughs> say uh, private firm. Uh, we've seen movies. Yeah. Yes, right. yeah, everybody has. So, huh? I mean, one could argue that puts you in a very losing position. Put me in a tough spot. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult situation. And it's unfortunate that uh, they have to do all these different things to... And you feel this is sort of a like a public or a media reaction to use one of the staple guys of the industry. Hmm? Right. There's no doubt about that. Okay. Yeah, no doubt about when that. When the business started... Uh -huh. um, I don't know, uh, early 2000s? 90s. Oh, wow. Okay. At the time, did you see it going the way it did? Not in terms of being fruitful, but in terms of being as controversial as it became. No. Right, right. But it was the same business. Exactly the same. Nothing's changed. Yeah. It was only when the specific administration got in there and said, you know what? No, no. You're talking about the Obama administration? Specific administration. It's just like anybody else. You're just building a business. I mean, we could have been building chairs. It would It's just same thing. So if I'm going to use your logic, uh, just in terms of building some timelines, so around the time of the crash in 08, um, Wells Fargo and some of the other banks got in a lot of heat for how they were sort of abusing the overdraft system. Uh -huh. um, to the point that it, Wells Fargo had to really revamp their systems. In fact, I know I got a settlement right. along with millions of other people out of that. Right. Uh, uh, so you're arguing that when that started to go down and they started getting in a lot of trouble, they started pointing a finger elsewhere well, to sort of say, like, well, look at know, these guys the, and what they're doing. The, uh, they created a new agency uh, within the Obama administration, and it focused on the Consumer, F Consumer Protection Bureau. So, of course, you know, they hire all these people that really don't know what they're doing to fill this big – and so they, they start – going after these companies and I don't want to th use the word blackmail but it's kind of what they do they they come in and threaten litigation unless you pay some big settlement and when you when you really put the pencil to it it's like you know let's just pay the settlement and get this over with so. that's actually the part I'm confused by so you paid a settlement in 2014 yeah uh, yep. and I don't know the exact number but somewhere in the 20 million range uh -huh. um, and I thought, oh, okay, it's over. Yeah, and I then know. It, and so then did it, I. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened? I, like the DOGA thing is a different deal, but this is an FTC deal. Right. Uh, so did that, was it a different law, or after further investigation, they decided something no. else? No, no, they just they just kept on coming. And you right. don't get that $20 million back, no. obviously, right? No. no, that's gone. How does that work if, if you're working within the law for so long? I know. If, well, if, you, that's you, what I'm saying. Riddle me that, yeah, yeah. So if the, if the law So if the law changes, you change with it, I'm right. sure, but you... Right. But you feel as though you're getting kind of put under for something that existed, and now they're changing the law for almost 25 years. Yeah. Uh huh. That those are the facts. Regardless of what you read, those are the facts. You watch much TV? No. No. Oh. You ever seen Billions? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen what do you that. think of that show? Funny. I, like, I love that show. Yeah. I'm about to say, like, you're a little bit of an actual rock. You know, he, he, all that story is taking place right here in Manhattan because it's a, it's a, it's a total knockoff of it. Right. Um, of actually a, a traitor, Stephen Cohen. Right. I mean, and, you know, Cohen, if you actually saw him in person and you see Axelrod, sure. you can see that, you know. A little Hollywood magic. Oh, it's a direct. Well, Cohen, you know, he's behind the scenes. You know, right. he's writing a story about himself. So uh, he uh, wants his badass, yeah. Axelrod, in there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, who, nice. who just, he has an answer for everything. Right, right. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And the guy that plays the prosecutor is the ex-prosecutor just got hired here. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. But, so no, it's a good show. I, I like it. 
All right. Who's going to play Scott Tucker in Billions 2, the racing version? Well, um, Netflix is doing a documentary on it. No, oh, no sh Yeah. Can yeah, we promote so, that? Uh, yeah. When's, yeah. It, when's it coming out? You know, uh, it's a big secret. They, oh. they filmed a lot of it. Are we allowed to put this out? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. yeah, so everybody wants a real story. Yeah, Netflix is going to have it. Is okay. there a timeline? They're secret about it. Sure. That kind of wants you how it ends, I assume. You know, if you look at yeah. Netflix now, I mean, they're, yeah. they're like they're like a movie killing it. Right. Produced. So they, they need content. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. They've got a lot of it in the can. I think they want to finish up after some of this stuff's done, but yeah. sure. a lot of it's done. They filmed right. for almost a year. Right. A lot of interviews. And so far in that story, I play myself. <laughs> He's like Scott Tucker yeah. plays Scott yeah. Tucker. Yeah. Um, do you think it portrays you fairly, or do you yeah, think it's? I, I, you know, I haven't seen the final. Right, but, right. But all the th stuff that they've done has been pretty fair and balanced. Okay. You know, they look at this side and they look at that side, and then again they look at all the media stuff. And you know, he's asked me this question. I was like, that's n that's not true. That's false. You know, well, but you know, some wingding on the internet in India wrote this story, and everybody that believes it. It's like, well, no, that's not that's not true. That's not true. That's false. That's not accurate. And, uh, you know, that's just, you know, Trump fake news. When somebody sort of says something like level five was sort of built on the backs of poor people, people uh -huh. who needed money fast, right. how do you take to that? It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Um, my clients who have been in business for a long time, I owned all the software that ran it. I mean, it's huge. <laughs> and the people that would use the service and use the product and use the loan, all were employed, all had bank accounts. I mean, so, it, you know, this, this myth that, you know, you're going down the road and there's some, you know, hobo on the street and you're putting a gun to his head and say, hey, you need to do this. It's f***ing ridiculous. And, and so you've got a person who's employed, who's bankable, has a bank. Right. I mean. What, what is the criteria? What was the criteria? You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to give some general stuff. But, I mean, you know, and, you know, they, the monthly income, you know, it's, it's you know, it's, it's up like in the $2,000 range. And, you know, it's, you know, there's no, it's, it's on the Internet, you know. If you want it, you can do it. If you don't, don't do it. And it's not like you're going into like some little specific area of the city, you know, and putting this. It's. it's I know I seem cool, uh, but I, I, I watch a lot of late night Comedy Central. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And as hugely financially successful as I am, uh, you know, arguably people who are watching cable at late night, late right. night demographically right. may not be doing as well. And so. People look at that and go, okay, that's why it's predatory, because he's marketing to this sect of people who are watching cable at 2 in the morning. That's one very small part of the marketing campaigns for this industry. That is <laughs> it's a, a very small one. I mean, you see it, it's more visible, but it, it's mainly online. I mean, you know, so. Kind of my final question or thought on that. What's the timeline here? Like, how long are you going to have to deal with this ongoing deal right now? No, it's, it's a... That's a great question, and uh, hard to say, man. Yeah, it's really hard. I assume 2014, you probably thought you were dumb. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, 
And, uh, yeah, once – it's hard to explain to people, but people who have been through similar situations, which I don't know many people have, but you get the full force of the U.S. government behind you, on you. Dude, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, so you've got public defenders. Mm -hmm. It's almost – I mean, it – it's a losing game in, in, in the way it's looking. Like, no yep. one's going to be satisfied until right. they make a public statement uh -huh. on you. So, uh -huh. are you prepared for that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> you know, being in business for 25, 30 years. Right. You know, and then all of a sudden, like, oh, that was a red light 20 years ago. You know, it, it, it's <laughs> But... You know, you got to deal with it, and either you believe in what you're doing, you stand by, or you go, you go cower in the corner. So, what's what's going to happen is going to happen, and you know, we'll we're going to give it our best. But you know, it, it's it's almost like going to a gunfight with a Weeblo knife. You you could have ran <laughs> like a couple of years ago, you know, when you know, before everything went out. But easy, and you didn't because you said you thought nothing would happen, or you're like you don't care. This is what you did. We had we had three thousand employees, yeah. you know, yeah, over fifteen million customers. Been in business almost thirty years, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, come on, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, it, how uh, did it uh, when the business sort of had to wind down? Was there but, a day where? But, it was but, but, but what you don't understand, the business hasn't wind down. It's still operating full blast. Yeah, except because the judge, they're prohibiting me to be there. But, no, the business. <laughs> the business is fine. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Still going. Oh, okay. uh, yes. Wow. Isn't that wild? Isn't that, isn't, that, isn't that weird? That's insane. So, in other words, if you're trying to make the argument that this is just a publicity thing, wouldn't the business not be operating? Exactly. They'd be like, stop it right now. Yeah. Like, boop. Exactly. Yeah. But somehow okay. just the figurehead attached to it is the guy that's okay. under fire. Still, still doing, they're bigger than they ever were. Yep. Isn't that crazy? Knowing what you know now about how everything has unfolded huh. and still unfolding, would you do anything different? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, um, yeah. All right, and that will kind of conclude our uh, Scott Tucker two-part special. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you to Scott for the time, uh, tremendous insight, and an ongoing story that we're, we're very curious to see how this unfolds. Now, I will tease something that may or may not prove true, uh, but stay tuned because um, there may be more to say from Scott, uh, and it may come from us, but uh, time will tell on that. So. More to come as we know it. But in any case, uh, this is going to wrap out sort of the first wave of our Dinner with Racers releases. Uh, there are something like 17 more recordings coming to you mid-December. So if you made it this far, thanks for sticking with us. Can't, can't express enough how uh, appreciative we are of all of our guests and especially all of our fans who continue to listen to us, continue to say amazingly good things, which we never expected. And the uh, proof has been the amazing number of guest submissions we've got. I can't tell you how overwhelming it is to hear from Tasha just how many people have written to us. It's, uh, 
a lot more than we thought, and that's and that's a really amazing sign of, of how engaged you guys are and how much you want to be part of it. So that's cool. Um, since we're at this sort of midpoint before the big break, uh, speaking of Natasha, I want to thank Natasha. I want to thank uh, Mr. Richard Poole uh, for all of your help. Of course, uh, Sherry at Continental for, for your longtime support. But also, of course, not just Ryan for uh, everything he does, but, but my business partner, Jason Medbury. And a huge, 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 huge thank you to Mr. Josh Fahey, who uh, has been an incredible part of season three, uh, just helping out with a lot of odds and ends that, that we couldn't handle. So uh, it's uh, been a hell of a ride. So uh, let's wrap this out with a group. I believe it's pronounced Graveler, G-R-A-V-L-E-R. Uh, you can find them on their website at graveler.com. You can also find them on Bandcamp. Here's a uh, lovely little ditty. Do people say that? I don't know. Um, anyway, it's called Give Up the Ghost. <laughs> 